Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and renewal of our world. We're so glad you're listening. All right, this is not the weekend to tell a boat story, but I'm going to tell a couple boat stories today. (laughs) Uh, And we're going to read. We're going to read a boat story today. And I'm going to start with my friend John, who lives here in Burke, here in Fairfax, uh, been a good friend for years, a number of years ago. He and his wife invited Amy and I to go to dinner with them on the Potomac River by way of boat. And it's one of my favorite things to do, to go eat uh, at a place where you have to get there by boat. And so we did. And we were, we were about to pull away from the dock at the marina on the Potomac River. You know, we'd fueled up and we'd kind of put some things in the boat and I guess a dock hand, maybe, maybe it was a college job or, you know, working there at the marina. This guy says to us, uh, as we're about to pull away, hey, be smart out there and keep your eye on the sky. And at the first sign of any trouble, you might want to quickly make your way back. And, you know, <laughs> we were respectful. We didn't actually say anything. We just said thank you, you know. Uh, we were thinking, who... You ever been around somebody who's, you know, trying to insert, like, is this guy, you know, he's just working this job on weekends. At the, is he, like, trying to sound like an admiral or something? Like, he's putting, we're the boat people here. And the sky was that blue. It was like the perfect boating day. The, you know that blue, the, not a cloud in the sky? It was, like, perfect. And we're not on the ocean. This isn't the Chesapeake Bay. This is the Potomac River. So we're like, hey, thank you, you know, so... We make our way, and it's about a, I don't know, 10 or 15-mile uh, journey down the river south. And we pull up at the restaurant's dock, and we, you know, we go in, and we have a nice dinner. And at the end of dinner, we just, we noticed, I remember we commented, oh, there's some clouds. You know, we're just kind of looking at the sky. And from our vantage point at the window where we were sitting, we saw some clouds, and we just commented about it. And, and we stayed. <laughs> we stayed for dessert. And after leaving the restaurant, we weren't halfway down the dock toward the boat where we realized we looked back and realized, oh, oh, that's not just some clouds. Well, the sky is dark. You know those evenings in the summer where it gets, you know, the, the weather, the, the, the approaching storm makes the, the evening dark before, way before it's supposed to be dark, you know? That's what's happening. And we suddenly start talking like, wow, we might get rained on. Little did we know that rain was the least of our concerns for the next 30 or 40 minute boat ride back north. Uh, we get in the boat, and I mean not a minute or two in the boat, headed back, we realize the sky's growing darker by the minute. And I mean, babe, I think the word fear or scare is probably like scared. We, the four of us, are going into a dark storm <laughs> And suddenly, we're not thinking, the little Potomac River. I mean, we might as well have been in the ocean. We went into darkness. And I mean, dark, like, are we going to run into another boat? You know, it's kind of hard to see. That is a scary feeling on the water. Like, are we, are we away from land? We're not going to run into land, you know. And uh, dark, except for when it's lightning. <laughs> you know, the thunder gets louder. And that was such a creepy feeling. And John and I said to ourselves later, like, man, the guy was telling us 
You ever been so close? Like, you hear the words. We heard his words, but we didn't listen to him. You just kind of blow him off like, we're the boating people here. John's the boat owner. We're talking in this series about hearing, actually hearing in our, in our daily, weekly lives, actually hearing, discerning the voice of God. So much so that it affects our own voices, that you become a person who speaks hope and life, and there's a laughter, a different kind of laughter that emanates from your voice, that you are able to speak words of wisdom and discernment. People hear your story. You think, well, I, I, I'm not somebody who's going to talk about faith. I don't, I don't know much about faith. You suddenly enter this, this phase of life where your own story compels people to pursue the God that you've experienced. That's the kind of God voice encounter that we're talking about in this series. And I hope you've already in the series gotten a taste for how deeply our God wants to speak to you. It's not this generic voice, well, like, I guess God throughout history has just sort of spoken that he, he kind of wants me to be more religious or would like us to be nicer human beings to each other. What we're seeing is that the voice of God is intentional and it's personal. In the beginning... God said, he spoke, and life comes out of his voice. In creativity, in perfection, in beauty. I believe one of the problems we have in hearing the voice of God, we, we in society, we as humans, maybe we in this room, I believe we have an arrogance problem. And maybe the word pride is, is the better word. We have this idea, we're taught it, I think it's our, our nature to choose this. We, we believe that we are the better ones to figure out our stress at work, how to build healthy relationships, how to fix our relationships when they're broken. We know how to map out our own future. We know how to get ourselves through the financial question or, or even crisis that we face. And it, it, there, there's something in us that says, yeah, and then when my life is figured out, when I get things back on track, then I'll, I'll have time for God. And it's so messed up. We're so backward in how life actually works. This idea that I know what's best for me, I know how to get myself, I know how to navigate myself through the situation. I I know how to create the relationships that are best for me. I know what's best for my future. It's, it's human nature. You may even be listening to me right now and thinking, well, yeah, that's, that's right. That's, that sounds right to me. The idea of surrendering to someone else being in control of us, it is just not our nature. And this way of thinking, it's a virus. It's like a pandemic that holds us in our anxieties, in our struggles, in our relational stresses. And we cycle to try to figure out happiness. 
And we hear Brad say on Sunday something about laughter, deep laughter being part of our lives. And we wonder, how do I ever experience that kind of life? We've got it all backwards and it has everything to do with how we hear, how we think about the words of God. His words to you. So here's a boat story. We're going to read this story from Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's another, that's another name for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now this is the setup. This is not only what's happening, just kind of generally this is what's happening. People are here to listen to God's words. This is the setup to what's about to unfold. The context is people are so impressed. They've heard rumors about Jesus. His notoriety is already growing in the whole region. He's performed miracles or supposedly, you know, neighbors have told me he's performed miracles. There's a teaching, there's an, there's an authority, there's a love, there's, there's, we're told in other contexts, there's something remarkable about the way he speaks about life and about who God actually is that's different from any other teacher. Anyone else in the rabbinical system, this, is, this man is remarkable. And so the people are crowding around to hear to listen to the word of God. The words of God. And so not only are they hearing the words that come out of his mouth, words about God, but they're listening to the word of God. Because we know, John tells us in many places, consistently, Jesus is the voice of God. He's the physical expression, the verbal expression of God. And so the context here. Where we start in this story is that people are pressing in to hear about God's heart, his timing, his view of the world. What matters to God, how we build healthy relationships. And life and creativity and significance, overwhelming breakthroughs are the result of pressing in to hear God's words. And we'll see overwhelming breakthroughs and remarkable happen by the time we get to the end of the story. We go to the next verse. He saw Jesus as he's teaching and the crowds are pressing in. He sees at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. So here we go into this boat story. Uh, The fishermen who were washing their nets, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now later, Simon is not yet a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus yet. Later, Simon's name would be changed by Jesus to Peter. So this is Peter, uh, a fisherman. He and his brother Andrew were fishermen. So Jesus asked Simon to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So again, the context here is the words of God. People have crowded in so much so that what's being suggested here is that Jesus devises this plan to push out today. We would, hey, I need a microphone. Or, hey, you know, let's elevate the speaker up on the stage so that people can hear better or see better. Well, Jesus says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back from the shore a little bit. The crowd has grown so large. They'll be able to see me and hear me better by pushing out in the boat. Pretty clever. But listen, I've been, uh, I've been studying communication and teachers communicators for many years and I say this I know you think I'm biased 
of course Brad should say this, I believe Jesus is the greatest communicator who's ever lived. And it, it, that doesn't come just from a bias of my, my, my personal devotion to him. It's actually beyond that. It's his technique. It's, there's something remarkable in that every time Jesus is speaking, he's doing multiple things through the one word or the one message or the one story. While one group of people are hearing something about their own lives, another group of people are being exposed for their pride. It's remarkable how Jesus can unpack and deal with people on a heart level to multiple degrees, all from the same story. And that's what's unfolding here yet once again. It's like Jesus is teaching the crowd about who God is, the kingdom, the realm of God. But something else is happening at the same time. It's fascinating to me, if we could put these verses on the screen again here. He sees at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats belonging to Simon, put out a little from the shore. He sat down and taught the people. So we know that they've crowded in. They're so amazed. They're, this is their opportunity to finally hear him or they've been following him. And they can't get enough. And so this... This sort of rock star sort of context has happened. And so much so that Jesus pushes out in the boat. He's teaching. He sits down in the boat to continue teaching, speaking words about who God is and how to know him and how to walk in life. And yet, the men who would become some of the 12 disciples are washing their nets as this is happening. Jesus sat down and taught the people. He's continuing. And yet, the fishermen are washing their nets. Now, if that isn't clear to you, they are distracted. They're busy doing the rest of their work. They're in proximity. They're close. They could say, oh, we were there. We, we heard Jesus. But they're not really listening. They're sort of half listening. Can you imagine? You know, I've, 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 when, I, when I truly committed my life to follow Jesus, uh, the more you, I, I learned about him, the more that I've seen him work in my life and do the amazing and change my own thinking and heart and attitude. And there are times where you just know this can only be him. This can only be him. There are times I found myself daydreaming like, wow, what it would have been like. I've never been to Israel. And there are certain places you can go to where we know for a fact Jesus stood right here. He walked up. There's a set of stairs that still exist into Solomon's temple. We know Jesus entered the temple on that staircase. Like you can, you can stand where he stood. It's debated even in this scene, do we know where Jesus, where, this, where we're reading today in Luke 5, where this actually unfolded on the Sea of Galilee. And I've sometimes imagined like, wow, what it would be like to just be, be there as a spectator for five minutes. Can you imagine being there, being in proximity, being on the shoreline, and yet you come back from the dream or you come back from this teleportation, you know, experience, and your story is, well, I, I was... I was finishing, 
I helped these fishermen sort of wash their nets. So I was, I was sort of listening, but then they're telling me how to clean the nets, and we had to kind of pack them up. Like, how tragic to be so close. Everyone's crowding in to hear the word of God, to hear the words of God himself, Jesus. And that's what else is happening here. The other part of the story is Jesus is about to show the fishermen, you're not listening to me. You're close, but close isn't what I've called you to. I'm calling to you. I'm calling your name. I have a different kind of future. I have a different kind of life for you. And it's not enough to just sort of be an earshot. It's not enough to just kind of come to church and sort of listen and think, hmm. And listen, if you're new here, if you're one who's taken the risk, like I never really saw myself in church, man, I just, it's amazing that you're here. Just, just keep joining us and keep investigating and continue to have an open heart to what a lot of us are convinced about in following Jesus. But for a lot of us who've been following a long time or listening a lot, it's not enough to just hear the words or sort of hear the words, or kind of mouth the words during our, our worship songs. Amy and I, for our 25th anniversary, it's crazy, this was the month before COVID hit, we were able to go to Hawaii. It was a dream for, our, you know, many years, both of us. And uh, on both of our lists was Pearl Harbor. We've just, uh, since I was a kid, since I was 10, or I could understand World War II, I, I wanted to see Pearl Harbor. And something to know about our family, Amy and Reagan kind of approach and look at museums a certain way, and Mackenzie and I look at museums a certain way. We'll all four go into museums and we'll enjoy them, but you know, in a room, like a display room, like an exhibit room uh, that has lots of artifacts or lots of you know, historical descriptions, uh, where it would take McKenzie and I maybe an hour to get around the room, it takes Amy and Reagan about a minute and a half to two minutes. So they never say, no, no, I don't want to go to the museum. They'll say, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. I'd like to see the first lady's dress, or I'd like to see the flag, or I'd like to see the Apollo 12, you know. And I'm not three paragraphs into the first description in the first display of the room and I'm just sort of getting into it where Amy comes up kind of behind me. And she's like, hey, babe, what do you think? Ready to go? I'm like, what? We, I'm, I'm, we just started. Okay, so that's, that's sort of the background here. So we get to Pearl Harbor. You know, kind of the pinnacle of Pearl Harbor is the Arizona. How many, how many have been? How many have seen or... Yeah, so this is like, man, you know, my heart's kind of racing. I mean, it was, it was that kind of moment. And, and for Amy, too. We're both like excited, like, wow, it's crazy we're here and excited. Is that the word? You know, it's, I guess there's been enough time that we, our generation can say that. And we're on the boat, headed out, this rainbow appears. It's like, you know, this is amazing. And we see the Arizona Memorial that, you know, we've all seen the monument. Um, and Amy says to me, Brad, it's amazing we're finally here. We're about to see the Arizona. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I didn't say much. I don't think I replied to her. 
And then the next thing Amy said was, we're not going to be out here terribly long, are we? <laughs> or something like that. And I just kind of smile. <laughs> She's excited to see the Arizona, but she doesn't want to be out there very long. So we get out onto the, you know, the memorial, and we're just both kind of silently making our way. And, and um, sure enough, you know, maybe five minutes there, she comes up to me, and she's like, what do you think? How, how, how long? <laughs> I'm like, babe, we just got here. And <clears throat> there are these tour guides that work at Pearl Harbor who are kind of posted explaining certain things sort of respectfully. They're speaking sort of softly. And we were just kind of passing by, and I had the attitude. I, I wouldn't say pride. I don't think I'm a prideful person. But just, you know, like, I know the history of World War 1941 and, you know, the Japanese and, the end, you know, the dark of night and... And I know, what, I know what this is, and the oil bubbling up. And so I'm just passing these, like, I, I know. I know what happened here. I don't need to hear the... And before Amy and I left, we both thought, that the boat was ready, you know, the next boat to take us back. We both thought, you know, are we going to regret not hearing more or learning, you know, like maybe there's something we can learn out here, that, that kind of thought. And we just stepped over to one of the, the tour guides, who said something that we both just found remarkable. And we almost missed it. They're giving us all these historical things that are just amazing. And here's one example. The American flag that hangs on the monument, the memorial of the Arizona, is actually attached to the Arizona. They attached, in designing this monument, the American flag to the original Arizona ship Flag mast leg is what it's called, the flagpole. And so we're looking over and just amazed, like, wow, the American flag is still hanging off of the sunken ship. And, you know, that may not impress you, or maybe that's not, it just was, it was one of these wow moments to us. And we both said we almost missed it. We almost missed that fact. We're so quick to move past the where I already know, or I need to get something figured out in my life, and then I'll give God attention. Then I'll, then I'll take in the words. I need to do the important stuff. <laughs> Let me focus on my priorities in life, and then I can make time for the, the lighter, lesser important words of God. You would never say that, but don't we think these things? These disciples future disciples, the fishermen. They're right there, but they're busy finishing their work, their important work. And if they have time, if they, if they pack up the nets soon enough, if they get done early, then they'll be able to give Jesus their, their full attention. What is it about your work life? What is it about the stress that you're facing right now? What is it about your marriage or your struggle as a parent? What is it about the finance? What is it about your job or the maybe impending layoff or this recession? What, what is it right now that has your attention that somehow in our warped human expression, far different from how you and I were created to live in creative beauty in the garden, when we took control because we knew what was best, we should be at the center of our own lives instead of God, the creator. What is it right now in your life that is whispering that lie Continue to focus on this priority. Continue to clean up this mess. You are best at fixing this problem. And then, then you can make time for the sweet, 
words of, of Jesus. Simon and the other fishermen had more important things to do. Maybe it's work. Maybe your answer is work right now. Work's just, work is busy. Brad, you don't understand. Right now the project, the, the deadlines I'm facing, or you know, we're in a season we've, we've, we've made some changes with employees. So it's just a, it's a climate right now that's stressful. Maybe it's procrastination. I'll listen to him later. Maybe your life is pretty good right now. Your life ever been pretty good? Like things are stable and so you kind of put God on hold for that reason? Distractions. Maybe someone's influence in your life, a judging, critical person who is a part of a church or they claim to follow God or they claim to speak God's words, but it just didn't add up. Like, really? Is this what Jesus is like? Maybe that has kind of made you a half-hearted listener. At the root of it, I believe, is pride, and I believe it's control. And don't get defensive. Brad's telling me I have pride. Jesus tells us we are broken by pride. Verse 4. This is where Jesus turns his attention to the half-hearted. And this is the, this is the other thing that Jesus is doing. He's teaching the crowd about the beauty of God. But when he asks Simon, hey, can I use your boat? And he pushes out, he's, he's already doing something on a different level. So Jesus is diverting his attention while teaching the crowd. He's now, he, he's already, I'm going to show these fishermen where the source of real life is. And if they're not careful, they could miss it. They could miss the source of burgeoning life. When he had finished speaking to the crowd... He speaks, <laughs> continues to speak. He says to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered. Now, this is one of these. He, he, he starts with a, a respectful word. He says master, but this is, this is what the context of Luke's story is telling us. We'll see it unfold here. Simon and Andrew, brothers, they're fishermen. James and John are the partners who are fishing in the other boat. These guys are pros. This is how they make a living. They are professional fishermen. <laughs> you ever had someone, like on a boat dock, say, hey, keep your eye on the sky. Blue sky, not a cloud in the sky. Keep your eye on the sky. Heads up. And you're just like, <laughs> we own the boat here. Simon is respectful enough to say, Rabbi. You're the teacher. You have a big crowd. <laughs> we know your reputation. We've been hearing what you're doing. We, uh, so he starts with master. His pushback against Jesus begins respectfully. Master, we've worked hard all night. And we haven't caught anything. This is, this is a respectful way of saying, Jesus, stay in your lane. You're the teacher. Keep talking about things of God. Little do they know that that's exactly their source of life. They want to walk in life. You've got to connect yourself to the words of God, the words of Jesus. Master, you, you keep teaching. Your, your words sounded lovely. I, we, we sort of half heard them. We were kind of paying attention. We're the fishermen. We've been working all night. 
nothing. There are no fish today. And this is the moment where there's, there's a beginning of hope for Simon. Where a lot of us, where Simon could have just said, thank you, Jesus. We're going we're gonna to stay focused here. I, maybe it was the look in Jesus' eye. Maybe it was that Simon took his focus off the nets long enough to really hear and it, something connected with his spirit. There are words here that I really should pay attention to. Jesus doesn't really know what he's talking about. We just fished all night. But because you say so, because your words instructed me, or you seem to suggest you know something that I don't know, or because I just, I'm going to try this. I'm going to respect you enough to try your words. I will let down the nets. He's got to be exhausted. Jesus is calling you not to just understand pleasant things about God or you grew up with the angry God being preached in church or maybe you saw hypocrisy or something hurtful or you have impressions. And so Jesus' words of God's kingdom are actually beautiful. God's forgiving and and that's amazing to encounter the real understanding, the understanding of who God really is through Jesus' teachings. But Jesus calls you beyond that. He doesn't call you to just come to church or whenever you can or whenever it's comfortable or it works in your schedule and you listen and you find encouragement. The real connection to seeing life explode in front of you and in your relationships is when you put into practice the words that Jesus speaks to us. Jesus has a lot to say about this. The whole building your house on the rock or the sand has everything to do with are you actually putting my words into practice? And at this moment, Simon, whether he's full-hearted or half-hearted, whether something has pierced his heart and he knows, wow, there's power in these words, there's something in Simon that says, I should practice what he's saying. We're so tempted to reply, you know, I, you don't understand my job, the layoff that happened a few years ago. I'm trying to prevent that, what it is to provide for my family. What it, you don't understand the late nights with our kids and the, or the health issue or the doctors that we've been to. Jesus, I will get back to you when this clears itself up or when I'm, when I'm back on track. We're so tempted to do that. And nothing could be more opposite about how life works. You cannot sustain significant work. You cannot sustain progress in life. You can have moments on your own and in your talent and have good moments at work. You cannot sustain progress. You cannot create a lasting difference in this world if you aren't empowered by the words of the one who is creative life burgeoning life itself. If we go back to John, how John begins his story of Jesus, he skips the Christmas story. He doesn't really skip it. Where Matthew and Luke begin with Jesus' arrival on Christmas, John goes back to the very beginning. John begins describing Jesus at the beginning of creation. In the beginning was the Word. 
The spoken word of God is how life began. He, the word, was with the Father and was equal to God. He's already talking about Jesus. Through him, the spoken word who would come visit earth, through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made. Nothing was made that has been made. Jesus created all. We think of Jesus kind of beginning in the New Testament. Like Jesus didn't really kind of get his start until Christmas. Like, you know, as the Father, the Holy Spirit kind of showed up some in the Old Testament. But then Jesus, his arrival is at Christmas in the New Testament. Well, when you think about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit being equal, what, what is Jesus doing in history? <laughs> like, like, is he just kind of on the sidelines? He's just kind of, we're told that Jesus was the voice of creation. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And this word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You cannot have the life that you're craving, that you were designed to have. The creative expression of beauty. The relationships that are deep and healthy. You cannot create this on your own. You cannot create a future of significance and meaning that lasts. You cannot without, without. I think God maybe is trying to speak to us, maybe. Maybe that's what's. Uh, speak, Lord, we are listening. Uh, you cannot have the kind of life you're craving without a connection to the words of Jesus, so much so that you put them into practice. And look at where this is going. Talk about putting them into practice. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they, Simon and his brother Andrew, signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, this might just sound like a good day on the, on the lake. Uh, we know as we read, they've never seen anything like this. They've been fishing their lives. They're the pros. This is overwhelming. Like, what in the world? Their boats are beginning to sink. This is the kind of sinking we all want. We face storms in life. We feel like sometimes we're overwhelmed or we're drowning. This is the kind of sinking that God has prepared for us. Sinking in beauty where you're in awe. The word astonished is about to be used in the story. Where you're astonished at what God is laying out in front of you. And inevitably... This is leading to not just what God can do for me. See, that's the temptation, is that we crave God's words so that I can get my life back on track or so that my finances can be what, I, what they need to be or so that my relationships can be healed. And, and, and that's okay. God cares about these things. But inevitably, if you put God's words into practice, the life you experience from him is going to spill out and affect the people around you. That is the ultimate calling of what God has for you, and that's where the story is leading where we're about to end here the story is leading to the effect it would have on other people simon saw this he falls at jesus knees we could say a lot here this morning i'm going to really just briefly mention worship the relationship between being in awe of god in the continuation of his unfolding life there is a relationship between lowering yourself before this amazing powerful God in seeing life continue to unfold in front of you. And so he drops to his knees, go away from me, Lord, I'm, not, I'm a sinful man. That means I'm not worthy. 
Wow, you are the Messiah. You are God. What in the world just happened? But where this story ends is that God's, you know, the, the, the biblical word is blessing. Overflowing life that he has for you is not just for you. It, it's never just for you. It's always ultimately to be shared with others. And this is how we end the story. For Simon and all of his companions were astonished. These are the pros, the, the professional fishermen. They're astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. You're overwhelmed. You're in awe. There's sort of this holy fear like, what are we experiencing? Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. God's good for you, what he has in mind for you, the future that he has for you. It's overlaid with the good that he wants to flow out of you to others around you. And when you are putting God's words on hold, when you're saying, I'll get back to you later... I've got more important things to do right now. You're not just limiting God's work in your own life. You're saying no to how God wants to use you in the lives of others. And I would think very carefully about that, that kind of lifestyle. And so I'm going to invite the band to come close us here this morning. And I'm going to challenge you in three ways here. And I, I mean everybody. I know there's some here this morning that are seeking, really just trying to connect the dots about faith or what's true. And man, again, we're just so happy you're here. I'm, I'm going to challenge everyone and those listening on our podcast right now, wherever you are. I'm going to ask you in this final song to not let this just be the closing. Oh, the band has prepared a closing for us. I'm going to ask you to worship in these next few minutes. Maybe that means just sitting. And reading the lyrics and taking them in and saying, God, I've, I've never really said this to you before. Or maybe it's singing. Like really singing. Like I'm going to express to the one who can connect me to life what I'm craving. During this last song, worship with us. Second challenge is to join us here at Dulles. Don't attend don't just attend or attend when it's convenient. Join us in what we are really seeing as a movement happening. God has begun a movement in the lives of people. The stories that I heard this week and last week from you and others who, who couldn't be with us today. It's, it's so exciting to see how hearts are softening and people are experiencing God and relationships are being built. Neighbors are inviting neighbors. Join us in the movement. Invest with us here. Join a team. We had somebody again just last week say, hey, I'd like to join one of the teams and, and I want to be more involved. I want to help make a difference as Dulles is reaching into the community. Be part of what we are doing to embody the love of Jesus for our neighbors. Start to see yourself as a fisherman of people. That can be so intimidating. Like you leave that to Brad or you leave that to the pastors. Listen to the words of God's sweet call to you when he calls your name, just like he called Simon. And let him do the heavy lifting as you say yes and walk in the beauty. And here's the, here's the third challenge. Invest, invest, invest time 
every week into the words of God, into actually hearing the words of God. Some of us grew up in, in America with the model that you go to church to hear the words of God. And in 30 or 40 minutes, that's enough to compete against all the political news we hear, all the griping and criticism at work in the cynics. We come home from work and our job's sometimes so overwhelmed from just the, the rhetoric. It's so depressing. We think that 30 minutes on a Sunday morning in church listening to a story is enough to counter. You, you need to invest your week into hearing and consuming the words of Jesus. Here's some suggestions. If you don't know where to start in Scripture, read Luke or read John. Luke's my favorite book of the Bible. I've said this, I'll probably always say this for years to come. Start in Luke. Take into your soul the unfolding of God's words for you. Or start in John. version, the, the Bible app, has a remarkable plan called one-on-one, -on -one, 100 Days with Jesus. It's remarkable. It takes about eight minutes a day to read through an aspect of Jesus' life. And here's the third. We're starting a new group. In about five weeks, we're going to start a new group, midweek group here. Uh, we're going to watch an episode of The Chosen. I can't believe I'm, I'm actually promoting something from Christian media. I've always just been anti-Christian media. I just think a lot of it's cheeseball. I think it's low budget. I think it does a disservice to the most remarkable story ever in history, just kind of low budget projects. But The Chosen is really well written. And uh, we're going to watch once a week an episode of The Chosen and then talk about it while eating popcorn and getting to know each other. We think it's a fun way to kind of connect. So if you're interested in that, go on the mobile app or let us know, hey, I'm interested. I'd like to check out that group. God, may you. May you be the voice of life and laughter and wholeness and health and creativity that we're craving for our lives. God, may we, may I, not just be in proximity, not just kind of hear your words. May I be someone that prioritizes your words. May I hear your words and hear life. May I act on them. Today, may I begin the lifestyle, the life of putting into practice your words, even when they don't seem to make sense even when I think I know better. And I promise that when you overwhelm me with beauty, that I will drop to my knees and say, who are you? This remarkable God who's come into my life to call my name. Let's stand as we respond to God together.